You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. Today we are in week number nine of a 10-week series that we'll wrap up next Sunday uh, that we're calling This Is Us, which is a series where for the very first time we've been preaching through our 10 values as a church. And our 10 values are so much more than just these clever sayings that are on signs in the lobby. Like there's, there's so much more than that because these values really are what makes us uniquely us as a church. In other words, these values, these 10 statements are our DNA as a church. And, and what makes these values so stinking important is because these values always determine our decisions. So in other words, they're filters for what we do as a church. And so it's so important for you to know if you call this church your home church, to know what is this church all about? But what I've been praying in this series is that not only would you be educated in our church's values, but that you would adopt these values as not just church values, but your values. Because the truth is the church is not a building. The church is people and buildings don't have values, people do. And so I I wanted to just encourage you to say, hey, these values can be my values. And today, if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, we actually give you something to write down notes, old school. We give you a pen and we give you something in that worship guide every week if you wanna take down notes. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write down this value. This is what we're gonna be talking about today is that serving is our calling. We're gonna be talking about this ninth value that serving is our calling. And uh, just PSA, this is not a 35 minute infomercial about joining the dream team. Okay, just so you know, you can put your guard down. Uh, We're gonna actually start in Matthew chapter 20 today. And before I read these verses, I do want you to know the context before these verses. So right before the verses we're about to read, Jesus has told his 12 disciples, these are his 12 closest followers that were with him for three years in his earthly ministry, did everything that he did, um, traveled with him, was with him, these 12 closest followers, and he tells them that he's about to die. Specifically, that he would be betrayed by one of them, arrested, put on trial, and then that he would die eventually on a cross. But the good news is he also tells him that he would rise from the dead three days later. And so that's the context starting in uh, Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse 20. Here's what the Bible says. It says, then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons. This is James and John. And kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want? He asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. In other words, hey, you just told us you're gonna die, raise from the dead and go to heaven. So when you get there, can my sons, my baby boys, can they please have the best reserve seats in heaven besides you? That's what she said. And it said, uh, Jesus says, you don't know what you are asking. Jesus said to them, can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. And Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those to whom they have been prepared by my father. 
And when the other 10 disciples heard about this, they were indignant. They were ticked off with the two brothers. And Jesus called them together and said, know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. So all the people that are in charge in culture, they lorded over all the other people. But then he says this, not so with you, not so with my followers. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's the Jesus that we serve. See, how many of you, just by show of hands, just in an honest moment in church, how many of you, like you would say, I want to be great? Yeah, just how many? My hand would be up right now too. Some of you are like, can I? Can I do that? Is that okay? I believe deep down that inside of every single person that everybody wants to be great. I know I do. Whatever I do, and the people closest to me can say amen to this, whatever I do, I don't want to be average. I want to be great. I don't want to just be an average, okay, pastor, leader, or communicator. No, I unapologetically want to be a great pastor and a great leader and a great communicator. I don't want to be just an okay, average husband, father, friend, son. No, I want to be a great husband and father and friend and son. And I'm telling you, there is nothing inside of me that wants to lead or be part of an average ordinary church. Like I'm telling you, I want to be part of an extraordinary church that's alive, that's growing, that's vibrant, that's passionate, that's life-giving. A church who's full of people, whose lives have been radically changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and that are now living every single day on mission, making a difference. I'm telling you, I want to be a part of a great church. Anybody, anybody with me on that? Yeah. Anybody? Yeah. I don't want to be, I don't want to be part of something normal. I want to be part of something great. I believe that there's something on the inside of every single one of us that wants to be great. And in Matthew chapter 20, when we read through these verses, we see a couple of guys. We see two brothers, James and John, and deep inside, they want to be great. And their mama does too. And I want you to notice, notice something. Because I, I, I could feel the tension when I asked, hey, anybody wants to be great? Some of you are like, me? Kind of? I, I don't know. Should I? I don't know. Is that wrong? Is that bad? I want you to notice something. Go read through that again. Jesus doesn't rebuke them or correct them for wanting to be great. But he does redefine what it means to be great. And in Matthew chapter 20, here's how he redefines it. And he puts it into a brand new perspective. When he says in verse 26, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And here's the big idea of today. That I want to make sure that we all understand this key point. And here's the big idea. The big idea of today is that the key to greatness is serving. That if you want to know if there's something inside of you 
that said, I want to be great. I'm here to tell you what the word of God says is that the key to greatness is serving. Now, two weeks before he was assassinated, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he brilliantly said this, paraphrasing this chunk of scripture from Jesus. He said this, if you want to be important, wonderful. If you want to be recognized, wonderful. If you want to be great, wonderful. But recognize that he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. That's a new definition of greatness. By giving that definition of greatness, it means that everybody can be great because everybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and your verb agree to serve. You don't have to know about Plato and Aristotle to serve. You don't have to know Einstein's theory of relativity to serve. You don't have to know the second theory of thermodynamics to serve, which is good because I don't even know that there was a first one. <laughs> he said, you only need a heart full of grace, a soul generated by love, and you can be that servant. He said, everybody can be great. That includes you. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter your experiences. It doesn't matter how old you are. He said, everybody can be great because everybody can serve. Church, we have to understand that the key to greatness is serving. Now, all throughout the Bible, we'll see that this key of serving will actually unlock different things in our lives. In other words, that there are some things that in our life that are some doors that will remain shut, that are locked, and the only way that you're ever going to be able to open these doors is with the key known as serving. And serving can actually open up certain doors that are in your life that maybe right now you find yourself at church and they are shut and it's frustrating you that they're shut and you're trying to do everything you can to open up these locked doors. But I'm telling you the key to opening up those doors are serving. And so here's what I wanna do with the rest of our time. I wanna talk about three specific doors that are in all of our lives that right now may be shut in your life right now, but that the, the key known as serving actually has the ability to unlock these doors. And so that's what we're gonna be talking about today. And where I wanna start is that number one is this, write this down, is that what may be this door of identity is that there may be this door of identity that right now is locked, but I'm telling you that serving has a way of opening up this door. Now, what I've learned is that most of us, we have a wrong frame of what it comes to serving. Because a lot of us think serving is actually something that we do. Specifically at church. And so serving is teaching our kids in Queen City Kids 
or maybe it's greeting at church or it's opening a door, or it's helping somebody find their seat or it's running a camera or it's running a light board or it's playing a guitar or it's serving coffee or it's setting up and taking down the church. Or if you're really super spiritual, then you would go on those mission trips that we're starting to offer now as a church. That's what serving is. But listen to me, church. Serving is not something we do. Serving is who we are. Serving is not just something we do a couple hours out of the week in this nice little neat compartmentalized time of our life. No, serving is a way of life. And Jesus, if you look throughout the gospels, is the ultimate example of this. In fact, just look through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you will never see Jesus not being a servant. That is bad grammar. That is really good theology though, okay? It is. Is that you'll never not see Jesus being a servant. He's always serving people. In fact, listen to what Philippians chapter two, verse seven, describing Jesus says, he made himself nothing by taking, I love this, the very nature of a servant, not a king. He didn't take the nature of a king, even though he was. He didn't take the nature of a leader. He didn't take the nature of a preacher or a pastor or a rabbi. He didn't take the nature of a celebrity or a celebrity. He chose church celebrity. Those of you that are like, what? Okay. Um, it says that he chose, like he took on the nature of a servant. And when you read through the rest of the New Testament after Jesus, when you study those that were closest to Jesus, like I'm talking about some of the biggest heroes of the faith, like you see them following their example. Like you see them following his example, like their identity was also in being a servant. Look at Paul. Paul, one of the most influential people in the history of Christianity, incredible leader, was known as an apostle. He planted a whole bunch of churches and he even wrote 13 of the 27 books of our New Testament. But here's how he identified himself in Romans chapter one, verse one, he says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. That's how Paul identified himself. Look at James. And James is not the disciple James. James is the biological brother of Jesus. And most people believe that James, who wrote the book of James, was also the pastor of the very first church in the metropolis of Jerusalem. And here's how he identified himself in James chapter one, verse one. James, not the brother of Jesus, a servant of God. And look at Peter, one of Jesus's 12 original disciples. This is the guy who walked on water. The one Jesus said that you are the rock on which I'm gonna build my church on. He was the one who preached in Acts chapter two and 3,000 people got saved in one message and then and only then, that's when the church like literally was the birth of church. And listen to how he identifies himself in 2 Peter chapter one, verse one. Simon Peter, a servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ. See, they understood that serving wasn't just something they did, like serving was who they were. It was part of their identity. And listen, if that was true 
for followers of Jesus then. It is also true for followers of Jesus right now. Like, so listen, I'm not just a lead pastor. No, before that, I'm a servant. Young, you are not just a roaster. You are first a servant. I want you to understand like that's who you are. All my NKU, come on, college students. You are not just a student. Look at me, look at me. Let me speak this over you. You are a servant. That's who you are. That's who we are. He says, you are a servant. Corbin, you just don't work in HR, brother. You're a servant. That's who you are. That's who we are. We are servants. That's who God has called you to be. No matter what job that you have, no matter the stage of life you're in, you are a servant. Look at me, church, you, that is who you are. And when you know who you are, you will know what to do. So when you know who you are, when you know that you are a servant of the most high God, you'll know what to do. You will serve everywhere you go. You won't just serve at a compartmentalized time at church. You will serve, yes, you'll do that, but you'll also serve at, at your home and your roommates and your family. You'll serve your children. You'll serve at your job. You'll look for every single place that you can in our city when you go to restaurants, when you go. No, you always have that radar on to serve. You'll constantly be looking, why? Because serving is not something that you do. Serving is who you are. And some of you, you need to know that the door of identity that is shut right now for you, that serving has a way of opening up that door. The second thing that serving will do. Oh, I'm stuck too many things. I'm, I'm a mess up here. Okay. The second thing is that serving has a way of unlocking purpose in your life. I'm telling you, there's a door that may be shut that's known as purpose and serving is the key that will unlock your purpose. I want you to think about this question. Oh, purpose. Can you just help me? Okay, just do that. I just somebody, somebody jump up here super fast. Come on, Noah. Come on, jump up here. Okay, that's it. Thank you. Just stick it. So I don't care. Just stick it somewhere. Okay, we got it. Okay, purpose. Okay, this one, one we're talking about. Okay, thank you, Noah. I want you to think about this question. Think about this question. That if you could ask God one question, just one question, and you know you were guaranteed that he would give you the answer, what would be the question that you would ask? I'd imagine that most of you being the amazing people that you are, you would ask super deep meaning of life type questions. I don't know if I would. I would personally ask questions like, hey God, why acne? Can you help me understand that one? Like specifically, why am I still getting acne in my 40s? Like I do not understand that, why? Why humidity? Help me God. I'll ask him, like, like, would you please just heal Jamar Chase's hip? Just please, just do that, you know? <laughs> I may ask things like this. Like, did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? <laughs> think about it, think about it, okay? Some of y'all get that at lunch. Um, but if you could ask God one question and you know that you would get the answer, what would you ask? There was actually a survey that was done recently where people were asked that very question and here was the number one answer by far. Why am I here? 
That was the question that people ask. Like, why am I here? In other words, what is my purpose? And maybe that's you. Maybe you're here and you're at church today and you don't know why you're here. You don't know the reason that you're breathing. You don't know like your purpose. And maybe you even feel like, man, I am going through life every single day, day after day, week after week, month after month, for some of you year after year on autopilot, just going through the same thing with absolutely no purpose. And if you were honest today, it feels like this door to purpose is shut. And no matter what you do, no matter how you spend your time, it just feels like, man, at the end of the day, I go to sleep and I feel like I have no purpose and everything I do, it won't open up this door. Like, why am I here? Well, listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter five, verse 13. He says simply, let me tell you why you are here. For some of you, you need to hear this. Let me remind you of why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of the world. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm gonna hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. And now that I put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, everybody say this last word on the count of three. One, two, three, shine. He says, you wanna know why you're here? You wanna know your purpose? You wanna know why you're breathing? It's to be salt and light. In other words, to make everything and everybody that you're around better and brighter. Like that is your purpose. That is my purpose. And one of the most practical ways to actually make things better and brighter is by serving. And the truth is that is what we are called to do. All of us, but that looks like what that looks like is different for each and every one of us. Like how I make things better and brighter is probably gonna be different than how you make things better and brighter. Here's why, because we're all made by God with different gifts. We all have unique talents and abilities and strengths. There's some things that you're great at that I'm awful at, but there's also some things I'm really good at that maybe you're not good at. In fact, in Romans chapter 12, verse six, it says that in his grace, God has given us, all of us, different gifts for doing certain things well. So the question is not if you have gifts, the question is, why does God give you those gifts? And it answers clearly in 1 Peter chapter four, verse 10, that God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts Use them well to serve one another. See, the purpose of every single gift that God has given you is to serve people. Here's what that means. The gifts that God has given you. Like think about the things that you're great at. The things that like for you are easy. The gifts that he's given you, listen, they aren't just for you. They aren't just so that you make more money. They're not just so that you can get promotions or climb the corporate ladder. It's, it's not so that you like can build a bigger business. 
They're, like the gifts are not just so that you achieve more fame or influence or recognition. The gifts that God has given you are to serve people. And listen, when you do not use your gifts the way that God intended you to use your gifts to serve people, the world is missing out. But when you understand that your life, that your job, everything you do is to serve people, that when you actually step into that, here's what'll happen. That door to purpose will open up. Because serving is the key to greatness that opens up identity, purpose. Come on up here, just do this, just figure this out, okay. (laughs) Unplanned, okay. And third, put this somewhere, is fulfillment. And this this one's huge. This one is so important that you need to understand that serving will unlock more fulfillment than you've ever experienced before. In fact, in 1943, psychologist Abraham Maslow, he came up with what he called the five stages of human needs called Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And here's the big idea with this chart. The big idea is that the higher that you go, the more fulfillment that you feel. The higher you go, the more fulfilled that you are. And if you look at the very top, it's this word self-actualization. And here's what that means. It means that you're achieving like your full potential. In other words, it's when you become the best version of you. It's when you are like healthy in every way. It's when you get the best job. It's when you're financially secure. It's when, it's when all the problems of life seem to go away and, you're just, and it's the best version of you. That's what he decided. That's the most fulfillment that you can experience. But after a lot more research, psychologists learned that there was actually more to life than you just being the best version of you. So 30 years later, they actually released what they called Maslow's new hierarchy of needs. And it's the same exact five stages, but they added one more at the very top. The one that they said, if you could reach this, it's the most most fulfillment that you'll experience. And it's this word transcendence. And it literally means this. That word transcendence, it literally means giving yourself to something beyond yourself. In other words, that true lasting fulfillment is found, listen, when life is not about you. It's saying that true lasting fulfillment isn't found in finally getting that dream job or getting a certain salary, or getting a certain promotion, or becoming your own boss, or marrying that dream guy or that dream girl, that the most fulfillment is not when you just have kids, or buying the perfect house in the perfect neighborhood, or going on great vacations. It's not when you have a beefy 401k, or the Bengals finally winning the Super Bowl. Like, listen, all those things are great. There's nothing wrong with those things. But listen, that's not where we experience true lasting fulfillment. And the truth is some of you know that because you've gotten to number five 
And it still feels empty. And it still feels like something missing because true lasting fulfillment is when life is not about you. And so maybe you're here. And if you were completely honest, if it was just me and you, and we were sitting down for coffee and you would say like, man, really my life is all about me. Like life is all about me being the best version of me. And listen, I love you enough to tell you the truth. You will never be fulfilled as long as life is all about you. That door to fulfillment will always be locked. Like I'm telling you, you can make raise after raise after raise. The business can grow and grow and grow and grow. You can buy all the things. You can have all the newest technology. You can have the best 401k. You can buy the house. You can buy the car. You can do all those things, the best version of you. But I'm telling you, there will be something that is still locked in your life. That, that door to fulfillment may still be locked. Because the truth is you may be successful and crushing it by the world's standards. But deep down, maybe you feel like something is missing. Like there's still part of you that just feels empty. Or maybe spiritually you feel stuck. Like I'm just stuck no matter how much success that you achieve, no matter how many followers that you start to get, and you go to bed every single night unfulfilled. And eventually, if it hasn't already happened, you will come to a point in life, and I've been there. And in fact, I think we all have at some point, but maybe you're there right now where you go to bed and you think about this thought over and over again, that there has to be more. That there has to be more to life than what I'm experiencing. There has to be more to everything that I'm experiencing. There just has to be more. And I'm here to tell you some great news, that there is more. In fact, Jesus says this in John 10, 10. This is a verse that this church is built on that Jesus says, I came so that they can have real and eternal life, a more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Another translation says life to the full. In other words, that the best life that you and I can ever live is found following Jesus, living life his way, doing things his way, which we've already established, guys, is a life of serving. That's who he was. That's why biblically and scientifically, I believe with all my heart that serving is the key that unlocks the door of fulfillment in our life. I believe it with all my heart. In fact, here's what I found this quote this week that says, our souls are not hungry for fame, comfort, wealth, or power. These rewards create as many problems as they solve. Our souls are hungry for meaning for the sense that we have figured out how to live so that our lives matter, so that the world will be at least a little bit different for our having passed through it. See, life is so much better when it's not about you. So practically, here's my challenge for every single one of you today. I challenge you to find a place where you can consistently serve. A place where you can be a part of something that you know is bigger than yourself. And by the way, I unapologetically would love for that to be here. That's why we're doing a series like this. So that you can see like, who are they? 
And do I want to be a part of what this church is all about? And, but I wanna invite you to serve and be a part of what we call our dream team, which is people that serve at our church. And I'm fully convinced that our dream team would be better with you on it. And the way for you to get on that team is, what we, is by completing what we call the growth track. And it's happening today at, at 12.30. And, today, and it's two steps. It's two different, right after service, there's step one and there's step two. Today is step one at 12.30. I'm teaching. I'll tell you all about our church, our vision, our mission, why we do all the things that we do, our story. And I'll try to, you know, do my very best to let you know what we're about. And um, so that's how you can start. Or if you have any questions today about serving or dream team or anything like that, you can actually, we have a serve area in the lobby and you can go talk with people on our team and just ask questions. And listen, here's what I know. I know that can sound very self-serving. I get it. I know that it can sound like, okay, so you just want to just come and just serve all this stuff here. Um, I promise you with full integrity in my heart, I don't want this for me. I don't want this for our church. I want this for you because I believe your life will be better. Like there's, I think that there's some things that might be locked in your life. Things like identity, purpose, fulfillment. And I believe with all my heart that serving is a key that can unlock these things in your life like maybe never before. Now, as we end today, to put a bow on this message, I do wanna finish where we started in Matthew chapter 20. Because one of the things that I love most about Jesus is that he never asks us to do something that he hasn't already done. I love that he just didn't teach this, he lived this. In fact, the greatest example of serving is Jesus. That's why he said at the very end in verse 28, this powerful statement, he says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And the greatest example of this is when he served every single one of us by going to the cross and taking our place to pay for our sins just for the chance that we could have a right relationship with God. So church, here's what I want you to understand as we wrap up this message on serving. I want you to never forget that it was an act of service that saved us. And so maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God. Maybe today you find yourself at church and you just feel so far from God. Let me make this clear. You can serve all day, every day, 24, seven, 365. You can swing the pendulum from not serving at all to doing everything. You can serve, 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 serve. But listen, that will never make you right with God. You cannot serve your way to salvation. Serving is not an attempt to earn something from God. Serving is our response to what God has already done for us. Let me say it this way, and then we're gonna pray. We serve because he first served us. That's some good news today. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes and just create just a little bit of space before we leave today. 
And will you just ask God this? Will you pray this prayer? Will you just say, God, what are you saying to me today? Will you ask him like, maybe what does my response need to be to this message? And um, this is on my heart today. I'm gonna ask you right now, wherever you're at, will you just take inventory right now of those three things that we talked about? Like, how's your identity right now? How's your purpose? Is that door to purpose, is it wide open or does it feel shut? How's your fulfillment level right now? Is that door open or is it, or is that door seem locked? And anytime we have a message like this, I think it's so important to ask God, God, what does my response need to be? And I think this is one of those messages where like our Mondays can look different because of what we talked about on Sundays. And maybe for you, that's, you need to start serving. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe today you need to take a tangible step and go to grow track. Maybe you're here and you served at one time, but you've been on the sidelines. And maybe today's the day where you need to start serving again. But maybe you're here and before you ever serve, you need to get right with God. Because I I desperately don't want you to buy into the lie that you have to serve your way into being right with God. So what I would desire as your pastor is for you to get right with God and then you go serve. And so maybe you're here and you are far from God. Maybe you've never made the decision to follow Jesus. Or maybe you have in the past and today you just need a fresh start. We wanna actually give you that opportunity right here, right now. Before we do anything else, we wanna give you the opportunity to get right with God. And we're not gonna point you out. We're gonna make you come forward. We're not gonna embarrass you in any way. All I wanna do is I wanna lead you in a very simple prayer. And if you wanna be included in that prayer, if today you know that I need to get right with God before I do anything else, I'm gonna ask you on the count of three, if you wanna be included in that prayer, to raise your hand and say, include me in that prayer. If you're here and that's you, on the count of three, I want you to boldly put your hand up in the air and say, include me in that prayer. One, two, three. If that's you, raise it up. I got you. I got you. Anybody else? I got you. That's awesome. Anybody else? I got you. It's great. I'm so proud of you. So proud of you. Anybody else? Anybody else? It's great. Just pray something like this in your heart. You can put your hand down. Just say, Jesus, I love you and I need you. I'm sorry that I've lived my life without you. God, I repent. I changed my mind and I changed my direction. Will you come live inside me and change me? Will you make me brand new? God, I I give you my life. I surrender everything. And Jesus, today I receive your grace. And today I receive your forgiveness and I receive a fresh start today. And I make the decision that not only for today, not only for this week, not only for this rest of this year, but for the rest of my life, Jesus, I follow you. We thank you so much for doing what we could never do ourselves. And we thank you. And it's through the mighty, powerful, awesome name of Jesus that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Church, can you clap your hands? Come on and celebrate with those who just made that decision. Oh, it's so awesome. 
If there's anything in your life that we can pray for, please visit queencitypeople.com slash prayer. For the latest updates on our church, follow us on social media at queencitypeople or visit queencitypeople.com.